Guten Morgen. <laughs> Guten Afternoon, actually. Marika, I just saw uh, Midas Touch posted some crushing news. Crushing blow. Ah, ah, the indictments can come anytime now. Anyway. Let's see. Breaking Trump going to fucking prison. Thanks for 215k. I do 24-7 indictment watch updates on the worst criminal in human history. According to Chomsky, he's the worst criminal in human history. He's from the number one cited scholar and intellectual in the world. Um, Giuliani's latest move could sink Trump. This was posted an hour ago. Jack Smith finally delivers crushing blow to Trump's some attorneys. This is two hours ago. But I just saw it show up. Like a pro-block legal AF breaking news, today's indictment day to Donald Trump again. Yeah. Like Jack Smith in Washington, D.C. Indictment day, happy indictment day to again. To return the final indictment <laughs> related to Jan 6 interference and the, the attempt to steal the election from Joe Biden and cling to power while stopping the peaceful transfer. How do we know that? Because we've seen it. Last week, Target letter went out as a courtesy, not required under the DOJ manual, not required under constitutional law, but a Target letter went out to Donald Trump, yeah, to his counsel last Sunday, telling him that it is that he is the target of a criminal investigation as to at least three criminal conspiracy and criminal statutes listing them, inviting him to appear last week in front of the grand jury. Donald Trump did not appear last week in front of the grand jury. Instead, he added a new lawyer to his team, uh -huh. who I'm going to talk about before this hot take is over, called okay. John Lauro, who joined Todd Blanche, apparently, to be the two lead uh, defense lawyers for Donald Trump for everything related now to Jack Smith. Today, on Thursday, we have reporting that not only did the grand jury convene this morning, being led by one of the lead prosecutors for Jack Smith's team, but Jack Smith himself and his inner circle met, based on a request, with the lawyer team of Trustee and Laura, uh, Lauro, uh, in Washington, D.C., Trump's lawyers, as a, as a courtesy, and to hear them out before the inevitable indictment today. I can assure you on this hot take uh -huh. that Jack Smith, after nine months of investigation and making the decision to go and get his indictment today from the grand jury, he's not reversing course because of anything he's going to hear that he didn't already anticipate or doesn't already know from these two defense lawyers. But he will listen. He will listen intently to hear them make their presentation, whether they come in with a written document, we usually call a white paper, to make an argument as to why there should be no indictment, try to cut it off at the pass, or they just make an oral presentation. This was the same kind of meeting that was held the last time when Mar-a-Lago went from target letter, indictment, arrest, surrender, arraignment, um, and that, but that was a different set of lawyers because those lawyers have now left Donald Trump and moved on. That was uh, Jim Trustee and John Rowley. This is now Blanche and Lauro 
a new lawyer out of Tampa Bay, Florida area that I'm going to talk about next. So that that happened this morning. Indictment is that freight train is not being stopped by you know two defense lawyers waving along the side of the tracks, even if they lay down in front of the tracks to stop what Jack Smith is going to accomplish. If anything, the Department of Justice will listen carefully to how they try to critique any weaknesses in the Department of Justice's case. But if what they've said in the public on Fox News, these lawyers, is any indication of how they're going to make their presentation to Jack Smith, what a waste of time. They should just take their white paper, fold it into a paper airplane, and just toss it into Jack Smith's window and move on. Because these quote-unquote defenses, and, and I'm being very kind in calling them legal defenses because they are not. None of what happens He's on Fox News, Newsmax, or any of these other places, or at rallies for Donald Trump or his social media post is going to fly in a court of law, right? You can say whatever you want outside, you know, the wooden door of a courtroom. But as soon as you get there, there's a bench, a black robe federal judge, and you have to actually make defenses that fit the crimes and for... His best strategy is to plead insanity. Sanity. Left to avoid the electric chair is to plead insanity. defenses that fit your allegations, um, it's not going to work. I, we know what John Loro, new to the game, welcome Mr. Loro, you're, you're one of many, many lawyers that have at first embraced Donald Trump and then either got indicted, disbarred, or, or noisily departed. Same thing could happen with him. I'm not going to get too attached to him, but for now he's in the case. And John Loro did what every lawyer for Donald Trump tries to do. He tries to grab some credit and claim the fame for himself, again, his 15 minutes of fame, and he went on Fox News just last week when the Target letter came out, and here's what he said. And this is what he presented with, with Todd Blanche, and I have no reason to believe they're going to deviate from this. This is dead on arrival, both in front of Jack Smith and in a court of law as a defense. Let's play the clip first. But there's no need to appear in front of any grand jury right now. President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. He's done nothing criminal, and he's made his case that he was entitled to take these positions as president of the United States. When he saw all these election discrepancies and irregularities going on, he did what any president was required to do because he took an oath to do exactly that. All right, we'll dig more into that in just a minute. But first, you're going to be solely focused on the Jack Smith investigation into the aftermath of the 2020 election. You're also part of the team that was trying to dig into whether others in the pres former president's orbit received target letters like he did. What have you found? 
Well, the bottom line is that uh, the special prosecutor, which is really the Biden Justice Department, is after President Trump, and that's the focus. And they're, they're accusing the president of two things, essentially. Number one, that there was some kind of effort to obstruct the January 6th count. The only thing that President Trump asked is a pause in the counting so those seven contested states could either re-audit or recertify. I've never heard of anyone get indicted for asking for an audit. What, what President Trump was looking for was the truth, was to find out exactly what happened in those seven contested states. That's just not criminal. The other statute that they're looking at is whether or not President Trump intimidated anyone or ballot stuffed. And that's an example of really the criminal justice system use it, being used against the victim. Because here, okay. what, what the president was seeing in real time after November is all these election discrepancies, all these unlawful acts at a state level. And what he asked ultimately is to find out the truth and get to the truth. And that's just not criminal. All right, you heard it there. It's a whole bunch of Joe Biden has weaponized and he's bringing an unfair criminal case against his uh, Republican oh, opponent. Let's unpack that. Joe Biden has no role whatsoever in Merrick Garland's decision to appoint an independent special counsel. Merrick Garland doesn't even have a role in the decision making and the investigation scope and depth of Jack Smith's investigation. That's why you have a special counsel. The only thing that Merrick Garland is, does is after a presentation by Jack Smith, which obviously happened last week, he either says thumbs up or thumbs down on the indictment um, with his blessing. If he says thumbs down, nothing's done in secret. If the, if the Attorney General rejects the special counsel's recommendation of indictment, he has to justify that one way or the other to the Senate Judiciary Committee and to the House. We're not going to have to go there because he gave thumbs up and the indictment that's going to be sought is the indictment that Merrick Garland approves of. But Joe Biden has absolutely no, I have more role in this indictment process than Joe Biden does. Okay, so to say that, yes, yes, the Department of Justice is part of the executive branch, we get that. But there's a reason that Merrick Garland took a lot of flack by appointing a special counsel and not doing the job himself because he wanted to avoid the very political attacks, having no uh, basis in legal defenses that are now being raised by John Laurel on that clip. Right. First time a sitting president has used the Department of Justice to go after a political opponent. A, what country is he talking about? And B, what sitting president and former president and candidate is he talking about? Because that, that is exactly what's not going on here. It may lead Donald Trump to raise a lot of money today um, and this week with his Save America PAC, because he's already sent out a bunch of um, grabs for money. I'm about to get indicted. Send money now. Um, you know, uh, and all of that. And Donald Trump whistling in the graveyard, as always, and talking tough until he's brought in through the back room like he was in New York with an arraignment where he looks ashen, arms folded, because everything's out of his control in a courtroom because there's only one judge, there's only one person in charge, and that's the judge. And it'll, it'll happen here again. We're going to see uh, you know, all that bravado and yay and, and all that. Wait till, he, wait till he gets into the courtroom, and he's got to sit there and figures out that a magistrate judge and a federal judge are in charge, and he's not in charge. He's just some... Um, a new retiree down in Florida that's been brought to justice. Yeah. That's going to happen. So this whole election discrepancy defense, 
that John Loro is now running up the flagpole to see if anybody salutes. I got news for him. Nobody's saluting, um, John. And you were a former federal prosecutor in the Eastern District of New York based in Brooklyn, and you know better. I get you want to take on some high-profile client because it's good for your career, boost your career. Um, you, you'll boost it about as high as you can before you it totally collapses in ruin by representing Donald Trump, <laughs> and, uh, which uh, other lawyers have referred to that as and a suicide mission or suicide pact to represent career Donald Trump. Suicide. But John Laura doesn't know that yet, despite the fact that he probably followed the media. And he represents two of Donald Trump's lawyers. He represents Christina Bob and Alina Haba, who are both in deep trouble related to the criminal case. Christina Bob signed the certificate to the Department of Justice. that said that they had done a good faith search for all of the classified documents and all they found was 34 and they were sealed in a very small envelope that she delivered after signing it to the Department of Justice. Evan Corcoran set her up because he didn't want to sign that. I'm having given Donald Trump a whole week to do mischief with the documents and move, turns out, um, Walt Nauta moved 64 boxes out of the room um, before Evan Corcoran did the search. But then Evan Corcoran... Including Gravesite and Scotland. Who are still in Congress and remove them all from office under the 14th Amendment for participating in an insurrection. Remind them to indict. Who orchestrated the insurrection? Republican traitors. Maybe I shouldn't sign that affidavit. Let me have Christina Bob do it. And Christina Bob said, well, I never even did the search. All right, I'll say it to the best of my knowledge. This is a good faith representation. So she's in deep trouble, and she's already cooperating with the Department of Justice. And John Loro, paid by the Save America PAC, Trump's PAC, is her lawyer. Alina Hoppe has also testified to the grand jury with Jack Smith because she had to go down to Mar-a-Lago before the search warrant last August and looked through the same desk drawers in Mar-a-Lago that Donald Trump possessed, looking for documents that were responsive to the civil fraud case up in New York that hadn't been produced. So she went down on her own and flew to Mar-a-Lago and 
you know, slept in the Trump bedroom or whatever and looked through the documents and that was right before the search warrant. So the question for her was, did you see top secret classified documents stashed on the desk? How about around the office that hasn't been produced? So she became a lead witness, got herself in trouble, and she hired John Laurel. So that's where John Laurel fits in. But you can see Todd Blanche is going to be the straight man, right? He's going to be the abbot to John Laurel's Costello, right? For those that follow, you know, comedy teams. John Laurel is going to be the guy that goes on television and says stupid shit out loud and, and see if that works. Now, how they played it this morning in front of Jack Smith, I don't know. You know, everybody's a big uh, critic and has a lot of bravado when they're on news, you know, friendly news media for the right wing. It's a different story when you're in the hush mausoleum tones of the special counsel, Jack Smith, who's sitting down at the end of the table. And this is my artist rendering, chomping on a, you know, a sub sandwich from Subway <laughs> while he's listening to your story. And as you give him facts that you think you're going to use for your defense, he just quietly says, well, that doesn't work because of this fact, this fact, this fact, this fact. Do you have a pad? You might want to draw a line down it. I'm going to give you the 12 facts that establish criminal intent by your client and why your entire case falls by the wayside. Now, he's not going to give him the secret sauce, Jack Smith, in this meeting this morning. He's going to give him just enough to send him on his way so that the indictment can come rolling out this morning or later this afternoon. And he's going to listen more than he's going to talk, I'm sure, about what their argument is going to be to pressure test the indictment to make sure they didn't miss anything before they render it. But that, that indictment's coming out of the grand jury later today. We'll report on it on the Midas Touch Network, just like we report on all of this breaking news at the intersection of U.S. law and politics, politically charged litigation. I do it on hot takes just like this one, along with my colleague Ben Micellis and Karen Friesenick to his team. Ben Micellis. Last week, Target letter went out as a courtesy, not required under the DOJ manual, not required under constitutional law, but a Target letter went out to Donald Trump, to his counsel last Sunday, telling him that it is that he is the target of a criminal investigation as to at least three criminal conspiracy and criminal statutes, listing them, inviting him to appear last week in front of the grand jury. Donald Trump did not appear last week in front of the grand jury. Instead, he added a new lawyer to his team, who I'm going to talk about before this hot take is over, called John Loro, who joins Todd Blanche, apparently, to be the two lead uh, defense lawyers for Donald Trump for everything related now to Jack Smith. Today, on Thursday, we have reporting that not only did the grand jury convene this morning, being led by one of the lead prosecutors for Jack Smith's team, but Jack Smith himself and his inner circle met, based on a request, with the lawyer team of Trusty and Laura, uh, Loro, uh, in Washington, D.C., Trump's lawyers, as a, as a courtesy, and to hear them out before the inevitable indictment today. I can assure you on this hot take that Jack Smith, after nine months of investigation and making the decision to go and get his indictment today from the grand jury, he's not reversing course because of anything he's going to hear that he didn't already anticipate or doesn't already know from these two defense lawyers. But he will listen. He will listen intently to hear them make their presentation, whether they come in with a written document, we usually call a white paper, to make an argument as to why there should be no indictment, try to cut it off at the pass, or they just make an oral presentation. This was the same kind of meeting that was held 
the last time when Mar-a-Lago went from target letter, indictment, arrest, surrender, arraignment. Um, and that, but that was a different set of lawyers because those lawyers have now left Donald Trump and moved on. That was uh, Jim Trusty and John Rowley. This is now Blanche and Lauro, a new lawyer out of Tampa Bay, Florida area that I'm going to talk about next. So that, that happened this morning. Indictment is that freight train is not being stopped by, you know, two defense lawyers waving along the side of the tracks, even if they lay down in front of the tracks to stop what Jack Smith is going to accomplish. If anything, the Department of Justice will listen carefully to how they try to critique any weaknesses in the Department of Justice's case. But if what they've said in the public on Fox News these lawyers, is any indication of how they're going to make their presentation to Jack Smith? What a waste of time. They should just take their white paper, fold it into a paper airplane, and just toss it into Jack Smith's window and move on. Because these quote-unquote defenses, and, and I'm being very kind in calling them legal defenses because they are not. None of what happens on Fox News, Newsmax, or any of these other places, or at rallies for Donald Trump, or his social media post, is going to fly in a court of law, right? You can say whatever you want outside, you know, the wooden door of a courtroom, but as soon as you get there, and there's a bench, a black-robed federal judge, and you have to actually make defenses that fit the crimes, and for which you have, uh, there are actual defenses that fit your allegations, um, it's not going to work. I, we know what John Loro, new to the game, welcome Mr. Loro, you're, you're one of many, many lawyers that have at first embraced Donald Trump and then either got indicted, disbarred, or, or noisily departed. Same thing could happen with him. I'm not going to get too attached to him, but for now he's in the case. And John Loro did what every lawyer for Donald Trump tries to do. He tries to grab some credit and claim the fame for himself and get his 15 minutes of fame. And he went on Fox News just last week when the Target letter came out, and here's what he said. And if this is what he presented with, with Todd Blanchett, I have no reason to believe they're going to deviate from this. This is dead on arrival, both in front of Jack Smith and in a court of law as a defense. Let's play the clip first. But there's no need to appear in front of any grand jury right now. President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. He's done nothing criminal, mm. and he's made his case that he was entitled to take these positions as president of the United States. When he saw all these election discrepancies and irregularities going on, he did what any president was required to do because he took an oath to do exactly that. All right, we'll dig more into that in just a minute. But first, you're going to be solely focused on the Jack Smith investigation into the aftermath of the 2020 election. You're also part of the team that was trying to dig into whether others in the pres former president's orbit received target letters like he did. What have you found? Well, the bottom line is that uh, the special prosecutor, which is really the Biden Justice Department, is after President Trump. And that's the focus. And they're, they're accusing the president of two things, essentially. Number one, that there was some kind of effort to obstruct the January 6th count. The only thing that President Trump asked is a pause in the counting so those seven contested states could either re-audit or recertify. I've never heard of anyone get indicted for asking for an audit. What, what President Trump was looking for was the truth, was to find out exactly what happened in those seven contested states. That's just not criminal. The other statute that they're looking at is whether or not President Trump intimidated anyone 
or ballot stuffed. And that's an example of really the criminal justice system being used against the victim. Because here, what, what the president was seeing in real time after November is all these election discrepancies, all these unlawful acts at a state level. Mm -hmm. And what he asked ultimately is to find out the truth and get to the truth. And that's just not criminal. All right, you heard it there. It's a whole bunch of Joe Biden has weaponized and he's bringing an unfair criminal case against his uh, Republican opponent. Let's unpack that. Joe Biden has no role whatsoever in Merrick Garland's decision to appoint an independent special counsel. Merrick Garland doesn't even have a role in the decision-making and the investigation scope and depth of Jack Smith's investigation. That's why you have a special counsel. The only thing that Merrick Garland does is after a presentation by Jack Smith, which obviously happened last week, he either says thumbs up or thumbs down on the indictment um, with his blessing. If he says thumbs down, nothing's done in secret. If the, if the attorney general rejects the special counsel's recommendation of indictment, he has to justify that one way or the other to the Senate Judiciary Committee and to the House. We're not going to have to go there because he gave thumbs up and the indictment that's going to be sought is the indictment that Merrick Garland approves of. But Joe Biden has absolutely no, I have more role in this indictment process than Joe Biden does. Okay, so to say that, yes, yes, the Department of Justice is part of the executive branch, we get that. But there's a reason that Merrick Garland took a lot of flack by appointing a special counsel and not doing the job himself because he wanted to avoid the very political attacks having no uh, basis in legal defenses that are now being raised by John Laurel on that clip, right? First time a sitting president has used the Department of Justice to go after a political opponent. A, what country is he talking about? And B, what sitting president and former president and candidate is he talking about? Because that is exactly what's not going on here. It may lead Donald Trump to raise a lot of money today. Um, and this week with the Save America Pack, because he's already sent out a bunch of uh, grabs for money. I'm about to get indicted. Send money now. Um, you know, uh, and all of that. And Donald Trump whistling in the graveyard, as always, and talking tough until he's brought in through the back room like he was in New York with an arraignment where he looks ashen, arms folded, because everything's out of his control in a courtroom, because there's only one judge, there's only one person in charge, and that's the judge. And it'll, it'll happen here again. We're going to see, uh, you know, all that bravado and yay and, and all that. Wait till, he, wait till he gets into the courtroom, and he's got to sit there and figures out that a magistrate judge and a federal judge are in charge, and he's not in charge. He's just some uh, new retiree down in Florida that's been brought to justice. That's going to happen. So this whole election discrepancy defense that John Loro is now running up the flagpole to see if anybody salutes. I got news for him. Nobody's saluting, um, John. And you were a former federal prosecutor in the Eastern District of New York based in Brooklyn, and you know better. I get you want to take on some high-profile client because it's good for your career, boost your career. Um, you'll you'll boost it about as high as you can before it totally collapses in ruin by representing Donald Trump, and, uh, which uh, other lawyers have referred to that as a suicide mission or suicide pact to represent Donald Trump. But John Loro doesn't know that yet, despite the fact that he probably follows the media. And he represents two of Donald Trump's lawyers. He represents Christina Bob and Alina Haba, who are both in deep trouble related to the criminal case. Christina Bob 
signed the certificate to the Department of Justice that was fraudulent that said that they had done a good faith search for all of the classified documents and all they found were 34 and they were sealed in a very small envelope that she delivered after signing it to the Department of Justice. Evan Corcoran set her up because he didn't want to sign that. I'm having given Donald Trump a whole week to do mischief with the documents and move, turns out, um, Walt now to move 64 boxes out of the room um, before Evan Corcoran did the search. But then Evan Corcoran thought, maybe I shouldn't sign that affidavit. Let me have Christina Bob do it. And Christina Bob said, well, I never even did the search. All right, I'll say to the best of my knowledge, this is a good faith representation. So she's in deep trouble, and she's already cooperating with the Department of Justice. And John Lauro, paid by the Save America PAC, Trump's PAC, is her lawyer. Alina Haba has also testified to the grand jury with Jack Smith because she had to go down to Mar-a-Lago before the search warrant last August and look through the same desk drawers in Mar-a-Lago that Donald Trump possessed, looking for documents that were responsive to the civil fraud case up in New York that hadn't been produced. So she went down on her own and flew to Mar-a-Lago and, you know, slept in the Trump bedroom or whatever and looked through the documents. And that was right before the search warrant. So the question for her was, did you see top secret classified documents stashed in the desk? How about around the office that hasn't been produced? So she became a lead witness, got herself in trouble, and she hired John Lauro. So that's where John Lauro fits in. But you can see Todd Blanche is going to be the straight man, right? He's going to be the abbot to John Lauro's Costello, right, for those that follow, you know, comedy teams. John Lauro is going to be the guy that goes on television and says stupid shit out loud and and see if that works. Now, how they played it this morning in front of Jack Smith, I don't know. You know, everybody's a big uh, critic and has a lot of bravado when they're on news, you know, friendly news media for the right wing. Different story when you're in the hush mausoleum tones of the special counsel, Jack Smith, who's sitting down at the end of the table. And this is my artist rendering, chomping on a you know, a sub sandwich from Subway (laughs) while he's listening to your story. And as you give him facts that you think you're going to use for your defense, he just quietly says, well, that doesn't work because of this fact, this fact, this fact, this fact. Do you have a pad? You might want to draw a line down it. I'm going to give you the 12 facts that establish criminal intent by your client and why your entire case falls by the wayside. Now, he's not going to give him the secret sauce, Jack Smith, in this meeting this morning. He's going to give him just enough to send him on his way so that the indictment can come rolling out this morning or later this afternoon. And he's going to listen more than he's going to talk, I'm sure, about what their argument is going to be to pressure test the indictment to make sure they didn't miss anything before they render it. But that, that indictment's coming out of the grand jury later today. We'll report on it on the Midas Touch Network, just like we report on all of this breaking news at the intersection of U.S. law and politics, politically charged litigation. I do it on hot takes just like this one, along with my colleagues, Ben Micellis and Karen Friedman Nifolo. Ben Micellis. Special editions and the real podcast, Legal AF, only on the YouTube channel for Midas Touch and on podcast platforms wherever you can find them. We'll report back later today after we hear about and see the indictment with our own eyes. What's the next step after that? Well, we're on Thursday for the indictment, and if the past track record... um, uh, is our is you know history is prologue. There's going to be a surrender, arrest, and arraignment on Monday or Tuesday of next week, um, 
and that's going to be assigned to a judge. We're going to figure out which of the D.C. circuit judges, most of which are Democrat-appointed, but we, not all of them, are going to be um, in the running by the random wheel that's going to be assigned, who's going to get it, which magistrate judge is going to get it for the arraignment, and then we're going to move forward while Donald Trump continue, continues to grift, arguing that this is 2024 election interference. I mean, if anybody knows election interference and is an expert on it, it would be Donald Trump, um, and arguing that he can't wait to take the stand. We have social media posts to this effect. Can't wait to take the stand and, and uh, debate. I guess he thinks it's a debate. Debate with people about the election fraud and how the election was stolen from him. I mean, look, other than some comments he made, which are going to are going to torpedo his case, in which he said, can you believe I lost to this effing guy, referring to Joe Biden, that he made to Alyssa Farah, his communications director at the time. Since then, he's gone on this crazy, you know, feigned uh, behavior that he thinks this, the election was stolen from him despite dozens and dozens and dozens of facts that he is ignoring and the and criminal law won't allow him to ignore, which says that he knew or should have known that he lost the election. I mean, it is legion. There are going to be half a dozen to a dozen witnesses, including lawyers who work for the Department of Justice or Donald Trump and outside consultants hired by Donald Trump and inside consultants that, and advisors that work for Donald Trump who are all going to say, we told Donald Trump that he lost, there was no fraud, and this was a fair election. You know, Chris Krebs, head of cybersecurity, you know, basically got fired because he said this was the most secure election in history um, when it was, and all the others, you know, the millions of dollar, dollars Donald Trump spent to get uh, fraud audits done, fraud evaluations done by outside experts, and he was told on, in no uncertain terms, to his face, with Mark Meadows sitting next to him, there was no fraud to overcome the election results. And, and that's it. You know, for, for Loro, if he's going to run that by Jack Smith this morning, that this was just a president asking for a recount or an huh. audit and have a delay in the constitutional certification of election votes, that's all he was doing. I mean, that's not even close to the facts of the case. It's fucking lying. You know, that's an interesting case. It's just not this one, John. And you know it. And Jack Smith knows it. And a jury in D.C. is going to know it. Why isn't he charged Follow me on all things social media at MS Popak. Follow me on YouTube with Midas Touch Network. Slide over to playlists. You can find everything that I do in hot takes listed under Michael Popak. And follow me and watch me along with my co-anchors on Wednesday... Disbarred. And Saturdays on Legal AF. Michael Popak, Legal AF. Okay. Hi, Mommy.
Hi babies. Hi, how are you doing, huh? How are you doing? You need some water? Do you need some water? Here. Let me give you some water. Here. 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 Shakira, Shakira. Yeah, thanks for two fifteen K and um, you could taste. What can I say? Pretty soon we got a political beat down coming up. This is apparently another happy uh, indictment day. Happy indictment day, everybody. Ready? Everybody. Each of these indictments should be a national holiday. For democracy. Christopher Prez, Trump plus prison. So this is Happy Indictment Day 3.0, everybody. As presidential candidate 2024, I think that each of these indictments, indictments should be a national holiday. Christopher Prez, Trump for prison. Paid national holiday. Wednesdays and Saturdays on... Legal AF Michael Pope. Ten more minutes. Jack Smith tells Trump his worst nightmare is coming true. Oh, scheduled. Shit. Nobody's there yet. Uh huh. Giuliani's latest move could sink Trump one hour ago. Justice, justice matters, justice, 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 it matters a lot. Rudy Giuliani has admitted to defaming the volunteer mother-daughter election workers in Georgia, Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. What exactly does that mean to admit to defaming somebody, how does that impact the court case? 
and what does it mean for Rudy Giuliani going forward? I'm Karen Friedman Agnifilo. I'm a co-host on Legal AF, and let's talk a little bit about what we think is happening let's and what this means. Let's talk about it, because So let's not forget matters. that Rudy Giuliani said some pretty horrendous things about Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss uh, back when they were helping out with the election and the polls in Georgia. He showed a film of them where turns out one was passing a mint to the other and he was claiming that they were passing a hard drive or a thumb drive i should say to one another and um and said that they were drug dealers because of course they're black and so for someone like giuliani if you're black you're a drug dealer and you know so just made some accusations that both both ruby freeman and shay moss have said led to death threats uh that there were people they had to move from their home and caused extreme emotional distress understandably uh they they went from just being public servants truly who want to help out and help their community during an election to being lied about, accused of horrendous things, and uh, and doxxed actually by being told who they are, their names, where they live, and they had to move from their home because of, of the vicious, vile threats that came their way as a result of what Giuliani and others, but mainly Giuliani, said about them. Now, uh, Moss and Ruby Freeman uh, brought a civil action, thankfully, against Giuliani and others, and everybody else, including own the uh, the network uh, that that they sued, was um, they they settled, and so the only person that's left now is Giuliani. And Giuliani filed a response to a motion for sanctions, which we'll talk about what that is in a minute, and in it with a stipulation to yes, I did it. I agree. I defamed them. I'm not going to contest anything else or anything that they said. Now, what does it mean and why did he stipulate to liability? So let's talk about this for a minute. So this is a federal filing, civil filing. Remember, that's different from criminal. That's a private right of action that is brought by a private citizen, and it's looking for money damages, and the standard of proof is lower. It's easier to get across the finish line than in a criminal case, which is you have to prove the conduct beyond a reasonable doubt. In a civil case, and this is civil, you prove it by the preponderance of the evidence. Now, there's several phases to a civil case. There's the motion discovery phase, which is, you know, person files a complaint, which which Ruby Freeman and Shamas did. And then the defendant, Giuliani, has an opportunity to answer the complaint, and then there is discovery that is exchanged, which means relevant information is uh, given over from one side to the other, or actually both sides to the other. They have to answer certain questions. They can be deposed, you know, sit for a deposition. You know, there's all these procedural steps in phase one of the civil case. Phase two is you have to prove liability, and you usually do that at a trial, although sometimes uh, you can stipulate to certain facts or a judge could find certain facts and certain liability as a matter of law. And then you move on to the third phase, which is the damages phase. And that's where you, where a jury will determine, you present evidence of your damages, meaning what, how are you harmed? How much money uh, are you out, both in actual dollars as well as um, things like, like, um, like punitive damages, which is 
punishment for your conduct or medical records or, you know, that's called compensatory damages where you are compensated for out-of-pocket expenses and things like pain and suffering and emotional distress. So all of that happens in the damages phase. So this particular uh, matter was still in the first phase, the discovery phase. And Rudy Giuliani was playing games and not turning over the information and the material that he was required to uh, to turn over. And so actually Judge Beryl Howell, who's, we've heard that name already before, right? She was the judge in many of the cases in the Washington DC federal district court that we've talked about on Legal AF many, many times. Anyway, Judge Beryl Howell, she, uh, she sanctioned Rudy Giuliani for his discovery violations uh, to the tune of about $87,000. So here, during this particular phase of, uh, of the case, uh, there was a motion brought by the lawyers for Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss saying that, or alleging that Rudy Giuliani once again was, was playing games and not turning over the information he had to turn over. And so this was this motion where he admitted to defaming them was his response to the sanction motion. And what he stipulated to, or what he agreed to, stipulation just means, I agree. I, I'm not going to contest these facts. I agree to these facts. So uh, as a matter of law for the case, these are the facts. So so Giuliani stipulates, it says, to all pertinent facts that the plaintiffs would need from him to establish liability, therefore making discovery sanctions and further discovery from him unnecessary. What he's basically saying is, I shouldn't have to turn anything over anymore, the point is moot, and you shouldn't sanction me either because I'm admitting it. I'm admitting to what I did. Uh, and so that's essentially what his stipulation was about, right? That he's saying that the, that, um, the statements were false, that they were dis defamatory per se as a matter of law, and that I published, that he published them, all elements of defamation that he'd have to prove in court. The only thing that he's not admitting to is damages. He's saying, and he's also claiming that he had a First Amendment right to say this, uh, and he's going to preserve those defenses, which I, I found kind of strange. I don't quite understand how he can, on the one hand, say, yes, they were defamatory per se, but on the other hand, say, I had a constitutional right, a First Amendment right to say it, because you're not allowed to, there's, you don't have a First Amendment right to defame someone. So it's a little bit inconsistent there. Um, but that's basically what he agreed to and what he stipulated to. So that ends the defamation piece of it. Now they move straight to the damages portion where it's a matter of, okay, so how much money will he have to pay? And he, he asked to be offset by the other settlement. So, for example, if they sued him for $100, which obviously it's much more than that, and the damages are much more than that, but if, they, if the whole suit was for $100 and own and the other defendants paid already 70 of the hundred dollars he's saying he should only be responsible then for the 30 of the hundred dollars that's left uh, but I don't think that's going to be an issue here no matter how much the rest the settlement was paid the conduct here was so egregious and their damages were so egregious that I think he's going to have to pay a significant amount of money
So why did he plead guilty? What does this mean? And uh, is this an indication that he's cooperating with Jack Smith? Now, why would this be an indication that he's cooperating with Jack Smith? Why does one thing have to do with the other? Because Jack Smith's case is criminal, right? And this is civil. And Jack Smith's case is, is about January 6th, we think. That's the one that we think is coming down any minute. Could be today, could be tomorrow. Um, and why do we think he's cooperating? This could mean he's cooperating with Jack Smith. So that's because if you are a target for, of a criminal investigation, which we know Giuliani is, the facts here of the January 6th, in the whole investigation and the conduct into stealing the election, et cetera, is, was laid out so clearly by the select committee, the, the congressional Jan 6th, uh, um, select committee that we know that Giuliani, among other people, are up to their eyeballs in in culpability and are facing prosecution for multiple crimes uh, relating to to um, the attempt to uh, steal the election and um, and stop Mike Pence from certifying the votes and counting and, and, and the peaceful transfer of power. And so he has to be a target, even though he hasn't publicly said he received a target letter, but that doesn't matter. If maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but we know he's a target. Anyone who knows anything, uh, including Giuliani, would know he's a target, and he's up there in the um, crosshairs of Jack Smith. So if he were to cooperate as a target, the way that works uh, is you have to enter into what's called a cooperation agreement, which is a written document where it is spelled out uh, very clearly about what it is that you are sp that you have to do, and what is required of you, and what will happen to you if you don't comply. So it's like a contract, and the one of the main things you have to do when you are co when there is somebody who's cooperating uh, in a case, which is different than a witness, by the way, who has no culpability and they're just agreeing or they're subpoenaed to to cooperate or to you know give testimony. This is somebody who could normally allege a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. He's saying, you know what, I'm, I'm agreeing to cooperate because I want to ultimately receive what's called a 5K letter. And the 5K letter, which would also be in the written cooperation agreement, by the way, says that if you admit to all of the crimes that you have committed and all of your uh, conduct that is um, culpable, then, and you are truthful and you help the government materially and you testify if there's a trial and you give information and it's full information, you can't hold anything back, you can't omit anything, you have to give full truthful information and admit to everything you've ever done then uh, the government will write what's called a 5K letter on your behalf, which will be taken into consideration by the court at your sentencing. And it is usually uh, a significant benefit. Um, so in other words, you'll get much less time, if any, uh, but because of your cooperation than you would have received had you not cooperated. And that's why so many defendants do cooperate, because it really does make a huge difference between, you know, um, the length of prison time or any prison time at all. And if you're somebody who's Giuliani's age, any 
day over, you know, any any day longer than you have to stay in jail or prison could be a life sentence. So he's going to, he has a strong incentive to cooperate, but he would have to admit to everything. And so if he were to admit to everything, one of the things he'd have to admit to is the lies that he engaged in against Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss. That's a significant part of Jack Smith's case, and because the theory here is that, you know, he, along with Donald Trump and others, conspired to uh, spread these lies to try and um, affect the outcome of the election. And this is one of those. And so if he's going to admit it in court to Jack Smith, don't forget what we said earlier, that's beyond a reasonable doubt standard. That's a much higher standard. So Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, if he admits it this high, He's, he's completely guilty down, down there because it's a lower standard. It's an easier case to prove. So, he might, so rather than uh, spend all the money on lawyers that he would have to spend to address these sanction violations, to answer these motions, to continue in the discovery process, to do depositions, etc., and then go to trial, for what? Why would he do all of that and spend all that money when he's 100% going to be found liable because he's already admitted it? So so I think he, he's, it, this is a strong indication that he is cooperating because he just, you know, he, he has to admit this because he's already, will have admitted it or about to admit it in federal uh, court in a criminal manner. And so stop the bleeding, the uh, financial bleeding, and that, and just go straight to the damages part. And that, so that's, that is one reason that points to that he is cooperating with Jack Smith. Uh, another possible theory could be that he's doing it uh, just because he doesn't want to go bankrupt, right? This is costing him a fortune, and uh, perhaps he doesn't want to go bankrupt and, and again, wants to stop the, the bleeding. Uh, one other reason he could be doing it is because he, you know, don't forget, he proffered, he gave a proffer, which means he came in and spoke to Jack Smith, and he had to tell the truth, because if he lied, uh, don't forget to a federal, a federal law enforcement, if you lie, that's a crime. It's called a 1001 crime uh, federally, and he could be prosecuted for that as well. So there's several reasons why I think he would have admitted to liability. Uh, we don't know for sure what the reasons are. We don't know that he's cooperating uh, with Jack Smith, but I just wanted to point out the reasons why I think uh, it's, it's, uh, this points towards that he is cooperating. Uh, and so I think, or at least he's attempting to cooperate. Uh, one reason that's going to be tricky to cooperate, if, if you're Jack Smith, is uh, you can't lie. So cooperate because I want to ultimately receive what's called a 5K letter. And the 5K letter, which would also be in the written cooperation agreement, by the way, says that if you admit to all of the crimes that you have committed and all of your conduct that is um, culpable, then, and you are truthful and you help the government materially, and you testify if there's a trial and you give information, and it's full information, you can't hold anything back, you can't omit anything, you have to give full truthful information and admit to everything you've ever done, then uh, the government will write what's called a 5K letter on your behalf, which will be taken into consideration by the court at your sentencing. And it is 
usually uh, a significant benefit. Um, so in other words, you'll get much less time, if any, uh, but because of your cooperation than you would have received had you not cooperated. And that's why so many defendants do cooperate because it really does make a huge difference between you know, um, the length of prison time or any prison time at all. And if you're somebody who's Giuliani's age, any day over, you know, any, any day longer than you have to stay in jail or prison could be a life sentence. So he's going to, he has a strong incentive to cooperate, but he would have to admit to everything. And so if he were to admit to everything, one of the things he'd have to admit to is the lies that he engaged in against Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss. That's a significant part of Jack Smith's case. And because the theory here is that, you know, he, along with Donald Trump and others, can inspired to uh, spread these lies to try and um, affect the outcome of the election. the election. And this is one of those. And so if he's going to admit it to court to Jack Smith, don't forget what we said earlier, that's a beyond a reasonable doubt standard. That's a much higher standard. So Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, if he admits it this high, he's he's completely guilty down down there because it's a lower standard it's an easier case to prove so he might so rather than uh, spend all the money on lawyers that he would have to spend to address these sanction violations to answer these motions to continue the discovery process to do depositions etc and then go to trial for what why would he do all of that and spend all that money when he's hundred percent going to be found liable because he's already admitted it so I think he, he's, it, this is a strong indication that he is cooperating because he just, you know, he, he has to admit this because he's already will have admitted it or about to admit it in a federal uh, court in a criminal matter. And so stop the bleeding, the uh, financial bleeding, and, that, and just go straight to the damages part. And that, so that's, that is one reason that points to that he is cooperating with Jack Smith. Uh, another possible theory could be that he's doing it uh, just because he doesn't want to go bankrupt, right? This is costing him a fortune, and uh, perhaps he doesn't want to go bankrupt and, and again, wants to stop the, the bleeding. Uh, one other reason he could be doing it is because he, you know, don't forget, he proffered, he gave a proffer, which means he came in and spoke to Jack Smith, and he had to tell the truth, because if you lie, uh, don't forget to a federal, a federal law enforcement, if you lie, that's a crime. It's called a 1001 crime uh, federally, and he could be prosecuted for that as well. So there's several reasons why I think he would have admitted to liability. Uh, we don't know for sure what the reasons are. We don't know that he's cooperating uh, with Jack Smith, but I just wanted to point out the reasons why I think uh, it's, it's, uh, this points towards that he is cooperating. Uh, and so I think, or at least he's attempting to cooperate. Uh, one reason that's gonna be tricky to cooperate if, if you're Jack Smith is uh, you can't lie. So he's going to have to come in and you know admit that all these crazy public statements that he has made about Donald Trump winning this election uh, and about others who you know about others like like the Shea Moss and Ruby Freemans, um, saying that all of that, all of the corruption, all of the you know things that that he and other of these MAGA people were were spreading about and these lies, he'll have to admit that all of them were false. 
and I don't know, he doesn't act like the Giuliani I once knew when he was mayor uh, after 9-11 and, and really or before 9-11. He was the mayor of New York City, and he was kind of America's mayor. He was America's hero. He really helped us all through a very difficult time, and he was a very well-respected individual in New York and other areas, but he's really lost his way in the last uh, in the last decade, and he does not look like an honorable, truthful person in any way. So I think for that reason, it might be tricky for Jack Smith to um, work with him, but maybe he's turned around and telling the truth, because if he doesn't tell the truth, he will not cooperate. And the reason I think he that this is tricky and he might not be telling the truth is because even his lawyer, not even his lawyer, his, his publicist, uh, I have to say, lied after he admitted to this liability of the plaintiffs, in this case, Ruby uh, Freeman and Shane Moss, after the stipulation was filed, uh, after he admitted to liability, said, look, you know, he, this Giuliani 